The book of Numbers, we do have notes for you. I would encourage you to fill those in as we move along. Numbers chapter 21. Reading from the Holman Virgin. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses, quote, Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Holy smokes. You know what they're eating? Amen. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that the Israelites died. The people then came to Moses, saying, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. And when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. And whenever someone was bitten, he looked at the bronze snake. He recovered. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. This moment that we have before you. Holy Spirit, come. Move in power. May we never be the same. God, after this morning, we've come to seek you. We've come to hear from your word. Your word, a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let your anointing come now to break bondages, to break yokes. Release your power. Come on, just ask God to speak to you. You don't need a lecture this morning. You need God to move in your life with power. And Lord, we invite you to come and do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Move the way you want to move. We will not stop you. We won't hinder you. We open our lives to you today. Holy Spirit, come by your power. Come by your anointing. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name and all God's precious people said, Amen. Amen. Let me see that this particular text, and I've given the title of the message, Look and Live. This particular text is a text of scripture that's, well, it's near and dear to my heart for the reason that Dan Morocco, who is Dr. Morocco's father, is now in glory. Dr. Morocco is my spiritual dad and the senior pastor of King's Cathedral and Chapel's entire network. His father used to tell his kids stories from the Bible when they would go to sleep. And this particular story stuck out in the mind of uh, the young boys, the Morocco boys, and then Morocco, as he shared, he's a great storyteller. He wasn't really an expositor, but he was a pulpit pounding, full of fire of Holy Ghost old-time Pentecostal preacher. He would, when he prayed, he would pray at the top of his voice, and he would shake and stuff. And I remember Dr. Morocco told us, he said, Hey, Dad, can you not pray so loud? God's not deaf. 
And his father would say, yeah, but he's not nervous either, son. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> well, one of the stories that he told those boys as they went to sleep that made an impact on them, so much so that it was passed down on to us that had been discipled by him, was this story. His father would tell him how these snakes came into the camp of Israel because they had been grumbling, complaining, began to bite people. Fiery serpents are called because when they would bite you, your whole body would go on fire to study that out. And so this one man was bit, and he lay in his tent dying. And the sons came and said, Dad, if you'll just come out and, and look at the bronze serpent that Moses has lifted up in the wilderness. If you just come out and look, you'll be healed. And he said, Sons, I'm dying. I can't, I can't walk. I can't go. So the sons dragged him from his tent and dragged him out to a place. And he was so weak that he could not even lift up his head, but his eyes were still open, and they grabbed the father's head, and they lifted his father's head to gaze upon the bronze serpent, and instantaneously the man was healed. This text of scripture is a powerful one. It's a picture of judgment in the midst where God provides mercy. It's a picture in the midst of judgment, pardon me, God provides mercy. If you look at the text, God had given them great victory, if you read verses 1 through 3, and they should have been very, very encouraged, because that great victory that they had was a precursor for what God was going to do in Canaan's land. It's kind of like, I'm doing that, this is what, this is a precursor, I'm just going to take care of the whole thing as you obey me. And you, you think they'd have been excited, but they're both bent out of shape. <coughs> God had given them great victory. They had grown impatient. You look at B. Edom would not let them pass through, so they had to go around. And in going around, they came to an area that was very difficult. <coughs> and in the difficulty, the people, there it says the people grew impatient. And they spoke against God and Moses. The actual Hebrew translation the word means that they became sick in their soul. They became sick in their soul. And when you look at it, what's shocking is because God provided for them supernaturally. I mean, brought them out of Egypt, delivered them with a mighty outstretched arm, brought them through the Red Sea, was feeding them supernaturally with manna. Granted, they probably had manna every which way you could have it. Fried manna, baked manna, cold manna. And they were resentful. Look at one. They were, they were resentful. I mean, for the love of God, they were slaves. They were in shackles. They were in prison. God delivered them. Now they're going through a hard time and they get bent out of shape. Has anybody ever seen that before? <laughs> I think I've been there. Am I the only one? <laughs> they're resentful. I've met people like that. They're bitter. They're angry. They're always angry at somebody. They're like, what's up? Why is it always so hard? I mean, they're serving the same God you and I are. But they're always bent out of shape. They're always bitter. Not thankful. And I think it's because their perception of God has become distorted. Now, on Tuesday, we preached a message. And if you did not get Tuesday's message, 
If you weren't here, you need to get it. It's online, www.kcalaska.com. It's on the podcast. You can get it there, or you can see the live uh, or the recorded stream, the archives. Because it's a message you need to hear out of Romans chapter 1 about being thankful. How many of you ate a lot of food at Thanksgiving? Hey. You know one of the things I'm really thankful for today? I shaved my hair and my beard. For one, I was starting to look my age. Number two, I had not gotten any affection from any of my family members in about three weeks. And he said, well, Pastor, no shave November is an over. Yes, I don't really give a flip. I've got a higher law to work. I'm shaving my beard. Hallelujah. I'm supposed to grow it out for the birthday of the king, but I figured, you know what? I can do it without a beard. Praise God. I'm the pastor. I'm just going to make the decision. Amen. No beard. Give me your carrot. Give me a hug. Praise God. I went after I shaved it, I went to give her a hug and a kiss, you know, and she flinched. She's all like, what's up with that? She says, it's been like kissing a whisk broom or something. <laughs> but when you get to a place where you're not thankful, you're in trouble. We talked about that on Tuesday. In fact, you set yourself up for judgment when you're not thankful. And that's what happened to these guys. It was really like another Thanksgiving Day message. They were self-centered and unthankful. Fill in your notes. They were what? Self-centered and unthankful. Their, their thinking has become distorted. And Romans 1 tells us about that. Below, they were slaves. They were slaves. God delivered them. I mean, you think they should be thankful. He provided for them. But they still get angry. They still get irritated. Now, I've seen this in marriages. I've seen this in marriage counseling, very common. One of the spouses will come in, male or female, doesn't matter, it's all the same. I mean, it's different, you understand, but the, the principle's the same. They come in and they go, you just don't understand my husband. He doesn't pick up his DVDs, he doesn't help me with one thing around the house. I am sick of him. He needs to take more showers. He doesn't help me with the kids. There's piles of dishes and piles of laundry, and all he does is come down and sit his carcass in that blasted chair that I never should have bought him ten Christmases ago. And the easy chair, he sits there, and he, he gets irritated when his remote runs out of batteries. <laughs> And they get, they get a list a mile long about, I mean, I just picked on the, on the man. We could pick on, it goes the other way too. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't appreciate the fact that I make money and I work hard. She doesn't appreciate the fact that, it goes on and on. This is the same thing. Just two Both of them, I'm And if, if as a counselor, you can get the person to start thanking, being thankful for what the person is doing. So we'll say to the, 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 the lady, for instance, well, are you thankful for anything that he does? <laughs> well, it takes a little while. I'm serious. It's just like boiling. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he works hard. Okay, good. He works hard. He thankfully works hard. Yeah. Is there anything else he does? takes usually a little longer than the first one out. <laughs> if you can get the person to begin to be thankful for what their spouse is doing that, that they appreciate, and what happens is all of their thinking changes and they begin to be appreciated. I'm going to tell you, it says in 2 Corinthians 10 that through grumbling, they released a, a death angel. If you grumble and you murmur and you complain and you're not thankful, you can very well release a demon spirit over your life. 
So, here they are, self-centered and unthankful. And these serpents are released. Judgment falls. You know, in business, if you're not thankful, do you know you, you might not have a business? If you're not thankful for your job, why don't you try remembering what it was like not having one? Come on, somebody say, I'm going to be thankful. We can end up being self-centered and unthankful. Judgment falls. If you look at these snakes come, called fiery serpents, they bite people, and they're dying. And God provides healing for those who obey. God provides healing for those who obey. Now, this is interesting, because he could have just taken the snakes away. Come on, he could have gone, poof. And there would have been no more snakes and everybody's healed, right? Isn't it true that God could have done it that way? I mean, he can do anything he wants. He's sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, whoever he wants to. So he can just cause the snakes to just go, bam, and they're gone. Come on, somebody say, bam. Bam. Fried chicken. That's right. You do that. Bam. No more snakes. But he doesn't do it that way. God provides healing for those who obey. Could have taken the snakes away. Could have provided a song. A salve. You know, last night we preached out of Exodus chapter 15 uh, in Anchorage. It's a great service. That text is a particular favorite of ours where Moses comes to this place. They're three days without water. God has just given them a great victory. Egypt is vanquished. Brings them to a place where they're three days without water. And I can imagine them seeing this beautiful body of water, Maryland. Three days is pretty close to death without water in the desert. They come to the water and they're, they got to be excited. Huh? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your praise is sufficient for me. And they all come up. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your praise is right then they're just dancing and shouting and so excited. Yes! Give me my Dixie cup. I'm going to have a big long drink because I'm thirsty and I'm dying. So are my little kids. They discover the water's poisonous. I mean, what a letdown. Jehovah, what? <laughs> Hello, we're all close to death. And they're all freaking out. Moses cries out to God. God gives him revelation and shows him a tree. He cuts down the tree. He throws a tree and makes the bitter water sweet. And they drink and they move on to Elam with their 70 palm trees and 12 springs. A picture of leadership, a picture of anointing. A picture of the blessing always coming after the test. Come on, somebody says after the test. Say it. Come on, say it after the test. Comes the blessing. Well, God could have, you know, brought some, you know, I don't know, some aloe vera mixture or something to heal them of their sin. Why he doesn't do it that way either? Healing was for those who fixed their gaze. Everybody say, fix their gaze. Now that's not, that's not there's, there's two words there, very interesting Hebrew, two words that, that mean sight or, or vision right there. It's not just they gave a look at it. it it's it's they, they, fixed their, they fixed their gaze. They, they looked at something expecting to have, and there was an anticipation, there was a, there's an intent. It's not like, like I could just kind of look at you right now. And I'm kind of looking at everybody, but my gaze isn't fixed. Now, where's my wife? There she is. 
I'm fixing my gaze on her right now. Jim will give you a hug. It's different to fix your gaze on something. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm looking at my wife's beautiful eyes. That's fixing your gaze on something. They didn't do a casual look. They fixed their gaze. Whoever would fix their gaze on this bronze serpent who was raised up on a pole would be healed. It required an act of obedience. Healing for them required an act of obedience and an act of their will. They had to choose to do it. They got the instruction, they then had to obey, and they had to do it. It was an act of their will. So what we see here is that God chose something that would, that would require a demand from them. Many people want the great breakthrough from God, but refuse to fix their gaze, refuse to do what their part is. God will not do your part. He won't. And you can't do His. But when you do His part, He will do His. When you do your part, He will do His. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to do my part. When you do your part, He does His and brings breakthrough. My goodness. Now what's so amazing about this text, I want you to turn to John 3. What's amazing about this text is you find it referred to here by Jesus who talks with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes in the night. He's a leader. Israel comes at night because I think he's afraid about being seen with the controversial man, Jesus. He comes and Jesus says in John 3, verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, that's referring to Numbers 21, the text that we read. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. You see, what Jesus is saying is that He's relating Himself. He's saying the Messiah must be lifted up just like the bronze serpent on the pole. He's basically saying that prophetic act, this is a prophetic act that took place in, in Numbers 21. That that prophetic act is fulfilled in Jesus. Kind of amazing. And so when you think about that, you've got to think that the serpent represents something and the pole represents something. There's so much here. If you look back and you're an Israelite that day and Moses said that if you're bit, come and look upon this bronze serpent, you'll be healed. You, you've got to think that the serpent represented something. These sins representing their prophetic types. The serpent represented their judgment and sin. Their what? Their judgment and sin. Jesus became sin for us on a pole. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus became sin for us. And so the snake represented judgment, the judgment of God, and sin, but also represented, represented their pain. Represented their pain. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us, it is written, curses everyone who had hung on a pole. Depends on what version you read. You might have come from a family that had a lot of pain. 
You might have come from a family that's plagued with generational curses and iniquity, but I've got news for you today. I've come all the way from Palmer to tell you. <laughs> you can be free. How can we have an altar call if you've got pain in your body? How can you have an altar call like that because of, because of this? Because by his stripes we're healed. Because of the fact that Jesus, who was lifted up, took our pain, took our curse. The pole and the serpent is a picture of forgiveness. God's act of mercy. And to look upon, the, to, to gaze, to fix your gaze, to look upon the serpent and the pole is to believe. And we look at the cross with eyes of faith. We believe. That's how the curse is broken. When we appropriate the blood of Jesus, the grace of God. When you look upon him as the author and the finisher and the perfecter of the faith that he's begun, this good work that he's begun in you, you gaze upon him and you fix your eyes, expecting to receive something from him. You look to him. Oh God, you're the healer. Oh God, you're the deliverer. Oh God, you can come through for me. Oh God, oh God. When you fix your gaze upon him, it's believing, it's releasing faith. It breaks the curse, it releases healing. We are all called to look and live. The title of the, of the message, which is originally titled by Dan Morocco, is Look and Live. We're all called to look and live. Not one of us, I would say it this way, every one of us here have been bitten. Everyone. What do you mean? Just the fallenness of the world, the flesh, the devil. No one was saved from being bitten. If you look at Roman numeral 4a, no one was saved from being bitten. But if one was bitten, there was a remedy. There's a remedy for your life. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. But the truth is, unless you have Jesus, unless you've looked upon him, fixed your gaze upon him, believed upon him, unless the Son of Man be lifted up, and then if he's not lifted up for you, then you're not gazing upon that bronze serpent and the pole, if you will. You will not have healing in your life. You'll not have breakthrough in your life. You'll not have provision in your life. Every one of us have been bitten by sin. Every single one of us. Not one. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But that gift only comes as you fix your gaze upon it. You look to him. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to stay broken anyway. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be afflicted. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be delivered. You can be powerfully used by God. Every one of us has been bitten by snakes. But God has made a remedy. He is the one. He's the antidote to the snake bite. He's, come on. He's a lawyer in a courtroom. He's a, he's a doctor. He's everything you need. He is your provider. But if you don't look, if you don't believe, you don't fix your gaze upon him, you will not have the remedy for the difficulty that's in your life. And many people today try to do it their own way. It's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be okay. I don't need that Christian crutch. You were dying from poison. You need the remedy in his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. All of us have been bitten. He's the remedy. We've got to look intently to Jesus. 
Does anybody know the Tennyson family? Tennyson. They come from Kentucky. Been in ministry a long, long time. Many years ago, the pastor Tennyson, I forgot his first name, and his family, except for his wife, they were on a bus, and it was a horrible crash. Everybody on the bus was killed. Except for, of course, his wife, because she wasn't on the bus. And there was a man who uh, was a part of the leadership or a board member or something, if I remember correctly. And his whole family was killed, too. And in the course of time, in a very pure way, God brought those two together. They married their own ministry. You see, you might be through going through something that's painful and difficult, but if you'll fix your gaze on Jesus, if you'll fix your gaze and set your gaze to walk steadfast, to know that he's the author and the finisher and that he can work everything out for the good, for those that love him, and call according to his purpose. If you can do that, then no matter what the enemy might have sent your way, he'll heal it and turn it into a blessing. Amen. It might be painful today for you. It might be difficult for you. Don't cave in. And you know, sometimes like the story that I started with, it doesn't say it in Scripture, but sometimes you need somebody to grab and pull you out of your tent so you can look. I thank God for people who dragged me out of my muck and mire and said, son, you just need to believe. You need to gaze. You just need to keep going to church. But they don't like me there. They don't like me. They're always staring at me. I discovered that nobody was staring at me, but I was so messed up on the inside, so insecure, that everybody was looking at me. I got healed, and now everybody looks at me. It's crazy. Come on, no matter what you're going through, Jesus can bring you through. Come on, somebody say amen. Gotta look intently to Jesus. You know, in, our, in this ministry, we're believing for many, many things. There is no way in the natural we can do what we're doing. We're believing that in the next four years, we will have 120 churches. Right now, we have about 74, 75. 120 in the next four years. That's some church growth. I'm believing from Alaska that we will have a total of seven extensions. Somebody say seven. Seven. And you're like, are you crazy? Yeah, absolutely. I have the mind of Christ. You say you're pretty narrow-minded. That tribe's about this narrow right here. I believe. I'm believing. How's that going to happen? I've got no idea. I'm going to fix my gaze on Jesus. Come on, we've already been walking on the water. Come on, we've already walked on the water, right? So whether you're walking on the foot or walking on 20 feet, what's the difference? Water's water. You're going to open Fairbanks. Trent made me say that. They're going to Delta. They're going to Delta Junction. Minister Tim and I are going to Fairbanks. We're coming. Come on, we're coming. These guys are going to Fairbanks. We finally got it. All right, so you got to come to church now. All right. We love you guys. Praise the Lord. You guys, I've heard, I've heard you say, you know, we need a church like ours in Fairbanks. I've heard that over and over and over and over. My friend Troy is here this morning with his daughter. He came years ago, 40 years ago, stood in the back. I mean, it's like maybe one row from the back, if I remember correctly. We prophesied over you. And you said, man, they need a church like this in Anchorage. I said, oh, Jesus, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Well, like a Macedonian man, I'd wake up in the morning and see Troy's face. <laughs> we need a church like this in Anchorage. It would ring in my ear. We're going through difficulties and painful times here. 
God putting a new foundation in. Changing things around. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for all that's good and right and just. And we honor everything that's happened here that's been the Lord. Right? And we were believing that God was going to move us to anchors, but we just couldn't find a way. Finally, we just took the crazy step of faith. Micah, you're crazy. Micah, I remember Micah and Chanel, they're like, whatever you want to do, Pastor, we'll do it. They're like, pray. I halfway wanted to say, wanted him to say, that's impossible, boy. We need more staff. But they didn't. I was like, my fleece, you didn't know that. I think if Mike is in, then I'll just believe that to be a sign from the Lord. And he's like, we'll go. I thought, holy cow. So, so we started, we do church here, we pack it up, and we go to and drive to Anchorage, 60 miles. For a whole year we did that. Went and had church over there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, preaching to people who had a lot of food in their stomach from lunch. Come on, you had to break the river service. And like, we did it for a whole year, moved it to the university, and just felt like the Lord said, this is it. You're stopping for the summer. Everyone in that congregation at that time had whittled, started with a booming 85 people, whittled down to about five, and all of them had a home church. In other words, we were just, we were on Saturdays, we moved it to Saturday. Everybody had a home church, basically, except Marlene Dean. And she began to drive in, and, and then there were some challenges of that for her. But basically, everybody had a pastor. That was a big concern. And now that we've started something in Anchorage, are we going to back out and leave these people? Because we're not hirelings. We're in it to win it. We want to love you. We want to help you. We want to, want to see you grow in God. We visit you. We call you. If we haven't yet, we're coming. Why? Not to control you, but to let you know that you're loved. We take doing what we're doing as a team very, very important. We want to be there for you when there's difficulty hit. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you grow in the things of God. That's why we're here. That's why this church is here. We're here to be an outpost of heaven for this community. And so it's pretty selfish. I think if we just stay focused on one thing, you know, right here. It's just how God's wired us up. So, so we did that, but we felt like the Lord said, stop. And we stopped and we prayed that God would send us a couple. God did send me the couple I wanted. You're the ones I wanted. My first draft pick right here. <laughs> and then we began to compare notes. God had given a dream to Sister Abel. powerfully prophetic interpretation through prophecy and dreams. And, and so as Pastor Vince, God spoke to them, right? We thought, well, how is that? We tried to piece it together. It just didn't work. And then all of a sudden it did. <laughs> Come on, somebody say bam. <laughs> Same way with Trent Navy. It has been faithful. Amen. I need some more faithful people. And I know God has given us that. We're going to see God do great things. We will have seven extensions in the next four years in Alaska. So how do you do that? No clue. But I'm going to keep speaking it forth. I'm going to keep declaring it. We're going to keep praying. We're going to have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer center that will be for us like a generator that thrusts this whole thing forward. Because without prayer, it will not happen. God has raised up different organizations throughout the land to start 24-7 prayer. And he's done that like a mission society. You know how there was no missions in the church 50 years ago? There was mission societies. Even 100 years ago, there was mission societies that did all the missions. Now, every church does missions. We haven't done missions, but we're doing one this next year. Never mind, Mr. Robinson. We're going to do one this next year. 
We just haven't had it together. We got together. But every church is about those missions. It wasn't that way a hundred years ago. Do you know mostly the church doesn't pray? Across America, across mostly the Western church is the only way. The Korean church prays. A lot of churches across the land and across the world that pray. But the Western church generally doesn't. There's pastors that don't even pray 20 minutes. Well, we have discovered that without prayer, I mean we discovered I mean, the Son of God, that some say, spent six hours in prayer every day. I think if Jesus had to pray, what do you think? Probably. Yeah. I think we should probably pray. What do you think? How about, how about the Apostle Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament? He, he, he says, pray for me. Pray, pray. Join me in my struggle, he says in the book of Romans, as I pray. Prayer has got to be the backbone of this thing. We will birth a 24-7 prayer movement. We've started 12 to 2, Tuesday through Friday, right here. 12 to 2, prayer. All right, there's just a couple people walking around, Shondai, Shuba with a band band. Right, I understand that, but it's going to grow. Friday night, Friday night, it's live. It's a worship-led prayer service. The whole staff is here going for it. I invite you to come. It's powerful. If you've never been a part of a, of a, of a, of a move of God in prayer, you know, every revival is marked by a people who will pray. You can study it out from the beginning of time. That's how, the, that's how revival comes, by people praying. How are we going to plant seven extensions in Alaska? We're going to pray, and God's going to bring the increase. Somebody say amen. We're endeavoring to start a school. In January, got a lot of obstacles. How many have been praying for that? Okay, see, that's why it's taking so long. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to do a pray now for the school. All right, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do it. The next few weeks is the clincher. Though we might just start it in the fall. You know, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. But you got to try. you got to make goals. Come on, you got to fix your gaze. you got to fix your gaze. you got to believe. you got to take steps of faith. You gotta lift up your head. Oh, we must live in Him. Everybody say that. Minister Alex, can you come, please? We must live in Him. Everybody say that. We must live in Him. Scripture says, without Him, we can do nothing. I want you to turn to Galatians 2 20. It reads, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. You've got to live in the revelation of what Jesus has done. Revelation that causes a revolution in your life. You've got to live it. Some of you need to fix your gaze today. Some of you have been looking at the molehills and they've become mountains. Some of you have been looking at... The wind and the waves. The fascinating thing when you look at wind and the waves, they get bigger. They get stronger. You need to fix your gaze on Jesus. Stand up on your feet. Come on, stand up. Just begin to worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hearts, lift your hands before the Lord and call on His name. Fix your gaze on Him today. Come on. He's going to help you.
stay free of the distraction. Come on, fix your game up. Call upon him right now. All across this place, those online, those listening by podcast, right now, fix your game up, people. Come on in there. Victory after that, I got day two today. 
If you fit in any of those categories, want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or number two, you've strayed, so you want to recommit your life to the Lord. Or number three, you just want to be assured that you're saved and you're going to heaven. The devil lies to you. You're not really saved. You fit in any of those categories. You, right now, this morning, say, I want to be prayed for. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it, Pastor. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Just do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you over on this side. Anybody else? Online, maybe. Praise the Lord. You're serious about it. Now, we're serious. You know, we don't want to embarrass anybody, but we understand that if you can't, a theory. You can't acknowledge Jesus in front of a bunch of people that really love him with all their heart. You're pretty hard out there to live for him. So if you're serious, whether you raise your hand or not, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, read your commitment, or just be assured of your salvation. As soon as we begin to sing, I want you to come meet, meet me and my wife right up front. We're going to all pray together.
Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Pray for you. Holy Spirit. Lord, touch right now. Touch Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch Thank you. Come on, just worship God. Congregation, lift your hands. Just worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your life. shows me that there is an attack on your physical body. And the enemy has fired a number of darts, and I'm aware of some of those who prayed with you and through some of them. But there has been a, a, a very clear assignment on your physical health. And the, the Lord right now is just going to touch you. Break that thing. I'll just lift your hands. Lift your hands to Jesus. That's a word from the Lord today. I command this thing in the name of Jesus to push your hold. I break your hold off of his physical body in the name of Jesus. Come. Go. I release healing now in Jesus' name. Touch him. God's doing something in your internal organs, in your heart. That's the power of God. It's going to be all right. You know, you might have come down for business or for eating turkey, but the real reason is for this moment right now. Jesus, be refreshed. Come on, we're going to continue to worship leaders. Would you please minister to them right now?
people giving their hearts to you afresh. Starting brand new. Thank you for clean slate. Broken chains and bondages. Healed hearts. Bitterness being removed. Critical spirit being removed. Lord, we will be thankful for all that you've done, the manna that you've given us. You're a good God. You delivered us. And though we face difficulties, you'll deliver us again and again and again. That we would walk worthy of high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We take no thought for tomorrow. We would trust you and not be warriors. We'd be anxious for nothing but by prayer and petition make our requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We thank you. And we praise you. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance to them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't miss tonight. Service at 6 o'clock. We love you. Praise the Lord. Six your days on Jesus.